podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Heart and Hand is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that broke all the records last week and in a good way. This week on Heart and Hand, there's only one Graham Durans. This season we've teamed up with Ladbrokes and we'll be bringing you plenty of specials. Our first is bet £5, get £20. This means if you deposit £5, Ladbrokes will add another £20 to your account. As a listener to this podcast, you can get this by following the link at bet.ibroxrocks.com. That's bet.ibroxrocks.com. We'll be tweeting this bet £5, get £20 link, adding it on our Facebook and we've put it in the description of this podcast too. So, welcome to Art and Hand and Podcast. My name's David Edgar, and uh, with an almost impossible act to follow, yes, it's Cameron James Bell. David, my friend, how are you? I am grand, Cammy. How are you? I was feeling a bit dour, uh, and young Graham was able to sort me out on Sunday, thankfully. Well, as excited as we got, Cameron, and we did, and I think, you know, deservedly so, because it was a good, it was a good win for Rangers. It's nothing compared to the South American commentators. Uh, now, I didn't know Rangers games were showing in South America, or well, certainly, you know, not via Rangers TV anyway. But uh, no, apparently it's true. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll just, I'll let the listeners um, hear this and they can tell us what they think of it. Now, who can argue with that? Well, it's always been a big thing about South American football. They're quite passive. Yeah, that's true. Really laid back about it, aren't they? Yeah, you watch again. Um, They're so relaxed and chilled out. I'd like to point out those weren't my dogs. That Usually it's dogs barking, but whoever had recorded the clip, it must have been theirs. Or they take dogs to games in South America. If so, uh, I'm right behind this innovation. I'd happily buy a season ticket for my for my mutt next to me. But, uh, but uh, oh yeah, it was fantastic. Went to, especially at one point where he did appear to say, anti-distinctly minty goal! So, you know, <laughs> credit to the credit to the... I, I don't think that they are any worse than... The, the team of Ian Crocker and Andy Walker. Well, you know, it's that thing, isn't it? I mean, it's, you've got Hayley McQueen doing the punditry, but yet, sadly, you've still got the dulcet tones of Andy Walker. And uh, it, it really, for me, I didn't, I mean, I, I went out to a, a, a beverage house to watch the game um, on Sunday. And it, but if I had been in the house, it would probably serve as quite a good exercise uh, that if you're doing a bit of a kind of one-man entertainment, shall we say, that basically you've got to get your timing right 
Otherwise, it could be glorious or it could be an absolute disaster. So uh, as soon as Haley comes off the screen and then Andy starts talking, so now nah, you've really got to watch out for that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Can you imagine that? You are uh, just uh, arriving at Paisley and then suddenly Andy Walker's tones... Uh, uh, <laughs> um, although if, if ever anything encouraged you to drown some potential uh, children, then I think that, that that would be a, a, a very violent reminder to tell you not to. But yes, uh, if you were wanting to masturbate, then I think the start Rangers made at Fur Park on Sunday, how's that for a link, was, was certainly worthy of it. And... We didn't really know what to expect. We'd had such an up and down preseason. I mean, really, Cammy, can you remember a preseason that that's had such highs and lows already? Yeah, it's like a little mini season on its own yeah. in terms of how we performed. Yeah, it's, it's uh, just the, we've been up and down. You know, new players arrive, great. Then Luxembourg comes, and then you know you start to pick up slowly. So I don't think we had any idea going in, and for the opening twenty minutes was. A really outstanding display and we chatted about it during the game I think that bit of credit straight off the bat to a guy who I'm you know I'm still not sure on but but certainly um, Josh Windass in that first half looked not like a player that we'd seen before well um, and, and I'm going to take quite a bit of credit for that David because as you say we were talking during the game and no longer had I uh, kind of intimated the fact that I thought he was playing quite poorly yes. did he then start to up his game and have an absolute worldie yes. uh, one of which was uh, the, the the throw out from Fodringham and then he just went on this fantastic run thereafter and I was like I knew he was going to happen knew it was going to happen as soon as I messaged to you I think he's underperforming yes. uh, or, or words to that effect and uh, then he just went and had an absolute blinder and in fairness I, I kind of saw it mentioned you know, afterwards on social media, a lot of people said, who is this new player, Windass? When yeah. did we sign him? And, you know, he, he looks like he'll be a good addition to the squad now because he was night and day in terms of probably some of the stuff we've seen from him last season, you know? That run was something that we badly missed. And to be honest, a lot of teams miss because it's not an easy thing to have, which is someone with just the sheer power and pace to go from one end of the park to the other. Now, please don't think I'm comparing them because I'm not, but it's, if you like, the Gareth Bale manoeuvre of if a guy get if you get the ball in front of him and he can just go at a defender, they're gonna shit themselves because he's not gonna pull any fancy trick off, but he's gonna go past them with such pace and such power that it's gonna be very, very difficult to um, to for them to, to check other than, you know, just stepping across, body checking them and, and, and making the foul. I I, 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 I don't problem. think I don't think the bail I don't think the bail comparison's unfair at all. What I would say to you though, and I'm I'm sure you know the Bears were doing it at Fur Park if they could believe what they were seeing Cammy, I just but want to stop it, you there that you just said I don't think it's unfair comparing Gareth Bale and Josh Windass I don't think it's unfair so much as completely mental um, what I was going for was style of play not ability of player David I'm, I'm riding I'm riding this crest of a wave you and your negativity and your constant moaning are not going to bring me down this week Okay. the, so, point, the point I'm going to make is that actually, when so obviously Windass is very much within his own half because he receives the ball from Fodringham. Mm. But when he's progressing forward with it, actually, if he was to do that on a regular basis, like Bale, and as he has done, and what's earned him big money moves, actually, 
you, you will go off your seat as soon as he starts crossing the halfway line and gets into the final third because you know he's going to do something. Yeah, it was one so of those. He, yeah, it was one of those. You're, you're spot on. It was one of those thrilling moments that don't come up that often in football. You know, where something happens and you're like, oh my god! And as you see out the seat and go, go on, go on. And if that goal had went in, then the jism explosion in the west of Scotland, it would have been like white rain. So I don't, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say probably the last time you felt that confident if he if he was to do it regularly like let's get that done and dusted first of all Loudrup used to do exactly the same but as soon as he got the ball you were like right what's he going to do here and he just progressed forward with it and actually build that momentum as he was as he was kind of going into the final third and actually to a certain extent I'm very pleased that he was a bit selfish and had the shot that obviously came off the post I think it's the age old cliche and I mean he absolutely deserved the goal um, but in actual fact being able to, to be selfish and take that dig and have a wee a wee track at goal. I don't think anyone's really expecting it, and I mean, absolutely, it should have went in. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's luck that it didn't. Yeah, um, and obviously the other one that hit off the the bar as well. Yeah, no, no criticism of him for for not squaring it there. He done the right, as uh, the cliche has it. But more importantly, I don't think there was anyone who was standing waiting for a tap in. It wasn't that kind of situation, you know, where um, he he's given up a guaranteed goal for somebody to have a pot. I think that. It was as good an option, if not better, than any of the other ones at the time. So he wasn't lucky then, of course, he hit the bar. Now, we started fantastically. Excellent stuff played. Motherwell came back into it. And I think that's something I want to preface our discussion. of the Well, it's a bit late. We're halfway into it now. But something I want to mention, I think that this should colour the whole discussion. Motherwell played well. Now, I watch... Rangers games in a fairly one-eyed fashion and that I watch Rangers play and the opposition are you know an integral part of that but I don't watch it the way I will watch a football match between you know two two clubs I don't care about where I, I sit and watch the whole thing I watch the Rangers performance I know you do I know most of the, the listeners doing this do um, so it, it, it's Difficult not to just focus on what you've done well and what you've done badly. That's what we do as football fans. I mean, for me, nobody ever scores a goal against as Rangers concede one. But taking a step back, watching the match again, Motherwell played really well. It was a really good game of football. Um, and by that, what I mean is, is it wasn't a case of Rangers making lots and lots of mistakes and allowing Motherwell to come into the match. Motherwell's passing was at times very slick. Their movement was excellent. They showed a lot of pace. It was good play by them that created opportunities. You can criticise Wes for the goal. I think that's fair enough. He should have come off his line. I'm a great believer that if a guy's heading a ball in from four yards inside the six-yard box, that's got to be the keeper's ball. And I thought he should have came for that. But other than that, there were some defensive frailties. Let's probably deal with that first. We are weak at fullback. Lee Hodson had a nightmare, uh, so much so that he was substituted. And Lee Wallace, again, did well going forward, but it is a worry, his defensive lapses. Yeah, I th- I th- the one that sticks out for me is is the, the three shot that Mo had at the back stick, yeah. which nine times out of any other time he's scoring that. And then I think that that's what it is. I, so I totally agree with you. It's a little bit reminiscent of, uh, if you remember, when... We used to have all the Rangers videos back in the kind of nineties and stuff. And if you ever watched highlights of games in these videos, you never ever saw you never ever saw the opposition scoring against us. It was just the Rangers goals. Yeah. When it goes through the entire season, and it really used to annoy me because I would be at the games thinking that's an absolute cracker. That's a great goal that's been scored there, and it had to be a great goal in order to be able to for, for us to concede it. 
Um, and it felt a lot like as if Motherwell were able to create their own chances. Probably more recently, we've felt as if actually we are creating spaces for other teams to exploit, whereas actually I think Motherwell created quite a lot of them themselves. I felt that, and, and even the, the miss you mentioned, where there was some bad defending, the ball the guy puts in is an absolute worldie. It's actually, and, and I don't know if you'll remember or not, it's actually quite reminiscent of a Miller ball that we scored at Ibrox last season, yeah. towards the latter half of the season, I can't remember who it was against, um, and I'm fairly certain it was Gardner that scored it. But actually the ball is just fantastic in terms of how it's kind of uh, flighted in. Fodringham came out on, a, on on social media after the game and, and kind of said, and, and I think his argument to that was, you know, he can't come out for 25 crosses. And I'm not a huge believer in the fact that a, 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 a keeper has to cover his lines and he has to be able to command his box and be able to try and do that. And we all know, listen, we're all football realists. We all also know as well, if he even gets slightly touched, he's got a foul. Yeah. So I suppose my question is, why you know, why not buy a ticket for the lottery? If he, do you know what? See, if he comes for it, then fair enough. If he misses it or whatever, we've, we've seen that happen too. But he has to be able to come out for that. I think he can't just simply say, well, I'll come for some and not others and just take my chances. Um, I, I was disappointed about it, but then... I think that there's a part to me which then believes it, it's not so much about the chances that Motherwell created and the goal that they scored. It's about us being too lackadaisical when we are 1-0 up. Yeah. And I do genuinely believe 2-0 up. I think if Miller scores his chance that he just put narrowly over the bar, I genuinely think Motherwell would have capitulated. And I don't know how many times we have to say that on this pod do you know what I'd like? And hopefully we'll see it from some of the players that we brought in. We need to be nastier. We need to be more ruthless. We need to be able to see these games out and be able to just more or less confirm with authority on it. The first goal is the opener. The second one is the finisher, if yeah. that makes sense. No, absolutely. I've, I've, I've said that long and hard on here that for me a lot of the time with, with Rangers games is the, the first goal is vital, obviously, right? But for me, the killer goal, as you say, is that second one. And if you get that, it changes the whole complexion of the match. Motherwell then have to come out with a bit more desperation. Because any team in Scotland against us who are 1-0 down can sit, and their fans will accept them, continuing to scrap, hoping maybe for an opportunity for, you know, set-piece, whatever. That is, is, is a tactic that, that the teams can employ. You get the second changes that, then they have to come out a bit, and then we can exploit the space. So we we did play really really well, and then in spells in the second half we did well uh, in an attacking sense. To pick out the positives first, Graham Durans, as uh, not only our South American friend had it, but uh, also his jersey when Rangers uh, posted a picture of the the, the jerseys hung up before the match uh, was spelled Durans, as in da do do Durans da do runs runs and. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, so so Graham Durans, that's that's his new nickname for me, as far as I'm concerned. You know me. Once I've once I've sucked my teeth into something like that, that's that's it. Um, as Martin Waghorn, they will will now know. Um, but yeah, we we did really well, I think, to win the match, see it out because Motherwell were playing well. They were up for it, first game of the season, all the pressure on the side. We had to just get the victory, and the fact that there were encouraging signs is a bonus because it was just about getting the win. That said, if we just got the win and there were very little in the way of positives there, I think that you know the, the the mood around the club would have been slightly different. But it was it was a good scrappy away win. The tight that 
people have, have said, you know, the old cliche, that's a game we would have drawn last season. That's a game we would have lost last season because if a team was playing well against us, we were losing. Um, you know, that... <laughs> No, listen. You're, you're totally right. Listen, if we if we if we go back in time six months, we're not getting anything out of that game because everyone's heads would have went down. We wouldn't have felt as if there was any kind of clear cut opportunities. Um, I don't know how much you can say someone is brave by taking an elbow to the coffin, but actually, you have to be able to be in there for that scrap in order to get that uh, concession of a penalty. So I'm, I'm actually, although I know we're saying about the mentality of the players and stuff and being more ruthless, actually what that's probably the most pleasing thing for me is being able to see those improvements from where we were. There's still, there's still room to grow, um, but I definitely feel as if that's probably one of the biggest highlights for me is the fact that uh, we've got a little bit more battle in us now. How great was uh, Graham Doran's reaction when he scored each time? It's just, it's that's that's what you that's what you and I and almost every listener to this pod has probably dreamed about yes. and how we would react as well. Because you're just like, I would just lose my shit. I mean, I would just I would have a clue what we'd do. That's what he did. Um, he, he lost his shit. He saw the badge he loved and it was just, just beautiful. It was just a wonderful moment. Yeah, it was fantastic. And it's, listen, I think, I'm hoping that what we're going to see from uh, from Durans is um, a really pivotal role within there. I think, I think he is captain material, if I'm being perfectly honest, because I think his passion shines through. I think he's playing in a Rangers team which already has quite strong captain nominations anyway. Um, but no, I definitely think we'll see him wearing the armband at some point, or even if it's only temporary. Um, but you can just tell the passion for it absolutely shines through. Um, what I would say, however, and I think it's great for him, is a huge, huge, huge mention for Ryan Jack on Sunday. Who and I think we, we we touched on this previously, David, when I was last on the pod, but um, does things very quietly, very competently, and I don't know if you've had a chance to see some of the stats that Jack got on Sunday. Yeah. Um, th- thirty-five passes made, thirty-five passes completed. Yeah. Now, albeit opening game of the season, you're still finding your feet a little bit, and everyone is. You know, it's still very much early days, um, but. Whilst it's great that, that Dorans is getting a lot of acclaim and it's great for him and everyone's really happy to see it. Huge, huge shout out for Jack who, as I say, went about his business very, very efficiently. Uh, not a lot of bells and whistles, but that's good because in actual fact, um, he isn't, you know, he, he's not necessarily looking for all that acclaim at the moment and hopefully he gets some because I definitely see a big a big part in his future at Rangers. There was an incident in the first half during that spell we were playing quite well, Cammy, which I think illustrates exactly why Ryan Jack could could and I think will be a key player for us. Kenny Miller came too deep, which is something we're just about to talk about, but he came too deep with the ball and he ran into a blind alley and he ran into trouble, as he unfortunately did quite a lot on, on Sunday. Now, last season we lose the ball, but this season Jack appears you know, as an option Miller gives him the ball and Jack then recycles it forward. I think it was to Windass. Windass then turns and loses the ball and it goes into, it becomes a loose ball into the midfield. Jack picks it up. And I just, those those two instances where I was like, that's twice that attack didn't break down. Where last season, not only would it have broken down, it would have led to the opposition getting a break on us. That's no disrespect to Andy Halliday. He, A, wasn't very good at that job and B was the only guy there to do it whereas obviously Jack is Doran's next to him which is a huge help but 
just that that kind of 60 second burst of play encapsulated for me exactly what would be missing and exactly what he can bring to the team. He's one of these guys that when you sit and watch and you sit and watch really good, you know, defensive midfielders and, and quote unquote, that a skill that the, the best ones seem to have is that when the ball is loose in midfield, it falls to them a lot. And after a while, you realise it's not luck. It's because they know where to be. And Jack, I think, did that really well on on Sunday. Yeah, it's 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 kind of what we kind of touched on before when we were talking about him. It's um, it's about positioning. It's about being able to read that game. Sometimes being able to read the game is actually knowing when your own teammates are in trouble, or you think that with the swing and, and momentum of the game, actually being more defensive and probably being a little bit more pragmatic at that time in the game is far more effective and controlling it rather than uh, you know bursting forward and being a bit and kind of coming back to Miller a little bit like a headless chicken Jack seems very capable of being able to try and do that and, and he will continue to try and hunt for the ball he doesn't and it's surprising actually given his age but he doesn't need to expend a lot of energy to be able to do that because you'll have seen players Canty's probably a good one at Chelsea actually who covers a lot of ground does a lot of that you know recovers the ball passes it deals with it recovers that again and he, and he won't really give up so he'll do a lot of chasing and hunting Jack seems to me very capable about allowing it to flow almost but knowing exactly when to be able to step into it um, and make an impact Now I mentioned Kenny Miller there dropping deep and it's something that has become more and more a part of his game over the last couple of years I think through necessity more than anything else and that a lot of the times he's been asked to come in and supplement midfield or he's felt he's had to because that's where the ball's been and we've been getting overrun which happened a lot during the Warburton era Um, I'm not sure that Miller and Herrera works as a partnership because I think that Herrera is as I've said before a target man I think he's a foil I think he's a guy who'll go in there and Occupy, maybe not always do things brilliantly, but occupy centre halves by making a scrap of it, kind of thing. And you need someone there who will play off him or, or around him or be close to him. And a lot of the time on Sunday, Miller wasn't because a lot of the time his game is coming back. Now, there are benefits to that, to a guy that will work that hard and will drop that back. But what I think it does is it reduces our creativity in the last third. And like I say, that the, the the concern you speak to Rangers fans, any that I speak to or guys that, that get in touch with us through through social media, the concern is I quite like the look of the defence, I quite like the look of the midfield. I'm worried about the full backs, as we've as we've discussed, and I don't always see where the goals are coming from at the moment. And I do wonder about that at the moment. It's not that Kenny Miller is not a good player, it's not that Herrera is, is not a good player. It's just some guys just don't fit together. And I'm I'm worried a little bit that those two may be kind of chalk and cheese in that regard. I don't I don't think that that worry's unfounded. There's a there's an element to it where I think if he's going to try and fulfil a number ten role, where he wants to try and be that conduit between someone playing at the you know at the, the the top of the tree and then being able to try and be a link into midfield, that that is fine. As I mean, he's got. He's got the body for it in terms of he has a good engine and he and he obviously looks after himself totally get that. The the problem I think the problem that you, what you're facing with Kenny Miller is being able to try and get an understanding of his 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 decision making process and when he chooses to drop deep and actually 
does he read the game or does he read the, the, the period of the game probably is an easier way to describe it where in actual fact dropping deep is the right thing to do or is he then compacting um, his own team and then bringing the other team into space because he's making it too narrow and, he, and he's, not, he's not stretching them enough whereas actually you're wanting to get more running out of the opposition so you do want to expand it a bit more and use the kind of length and breadth of the, of the, of the pitch I think I, don't, I, I, don't, I think I think that role though for Kenny Miller is very unnatural because he, he hasn't ever really had to play there in his career, whereas before, and you remember him first time around at Rangers, remember him at Hibs and Wills and whatever. Whenever he was getting that, he was always getting the ball and running. He was always exploiting space. He was always being able to try and go into that. Now it feels a lot like as if he's dropping further and further back. And I don't really know what the necessity is for that to happen. Well, the thing is, if we compress the game. I could see the argument being is that if he helps compress the game, it creates space in behind for people to run into. But Herrera is not going to run into space. You know, he's not going to be. You're not going to be able to chip a ball over the defence, and he's going to, you know, sprint and latch onto it. He's not quick. That we can tell. So, you know, you're right. I think we need the game a little bit more drawn out and a little bit further forward. So when he's dropping back, yes, you could argue that the defence comes out and it creates that space in behind, but. Unless Windass can regularly be the man that that makes the the break forward. If you look at our other guys, um, Dorans is starting deep, so it's unlikely he can do it on a regular basis. Jack isn't going to do it. Cranshire, if he plays, isn't going to do it. He's not he's not quick enough to do it. So, I just think that all you're doing, as you say, is compressing the game in a way that suits suits the opposition, and it's something that we need to look at. Now, before we move on from the match, a couple of things. Carol McHugh, who is apparently the Motherwell captain. Um, yeah, news to me as well, guys. Uh, he he was upset after the match because he said the referee cost him three, cost Motherwell three points due to missing a penalty for Motherwell where the ball struck Lee Hodson's hand and then giving a penalty for uh, Herrera being elbowed in the head by Louis Moult. Now, I will take off the blue tinted sunglasses for a moment, right? And I will say that see the Hodson one. It falls in the seen them giving category, right? Yes, he drove the ball at him from a yard. Yes, he's got his hands, you know, he's obviously, you know, running and he's, it's, it's momentum. He's not done it deliberately, I get that. But his hand is in play and you have a legitimate argument for saying that the ball is prevented from going into a dangerous area by the illegal use of an arm. Not deliberate, but again, people always misunderstand that. He's bringing his arms into play We've seen them given. That's a legit complaint. Fair enough. I, I'd have wanted it, right? As simple as that. I'd have wanted it if it had been at the other end. But to say that the mole incident, which was the penaltiest penalty you'll ever see, wasn't a penalty, just beggars belief. And beggar may be the apt word in this case, but it does just absolutely beggar belief. I think I think what you need to do though, Davy, is, is is take that back a, a bigger step and just say the guy's called Carol, which is everyone knows one of the wankiest names that you could possibly get. That is true. So he he abundantly has you know Issues. a big chip, a big chip in that shoulder. I probably would too. Shoulder. Yeah, you're right. You know, and and in fairness, it's ironic because if he was to if he was to do it properly. One of his own fucking teammates could probably elbow that the chip right off of his shoulder, given the, the how much he likes to fling them about. Mm. Um, I, I would I would take umbrage at your fact that you are questioning uh, brother Madden, Bobby Madden, Bobby Madden, 
and his fucking shush, Grammy, um, and his and his decision making ability. Um, personally, for me, I love it because it will throw up more um, claims of paranoia, etc. It's a conspiracy. Rangers have never won fairly, etc., etc., etc. Um, you're absolutely right. Hodgson's I could have seen given. He knew nothing about it, to be fair. No, and I, I agree, agree, and I can see why the, the ref the, didn't the, give it. Yeah, but the problem, the problem when when you're in that space is apart from the fact that it's a bit of a kind of natural body movement or whatever else as well. Absolutely, the, 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 the ball hits him at such pace. I don't think he could really do anything about it. I, I, again, I, there's there's no you and I could have sat together and watched that and go, listen, do you know what? You know, if the penalty had been given, say right, fair enough. Do you know I mean you can't really argue it? Sorry, if they'll give it to someone. Aye. The 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 elbow. So for me, I think with the elbow and the tackle from behind that led to the free kick. Oh, Moke's got um, me off. Malt should have been sent off. He should be sent off, in my opinion, for the elbow because yeah. the, the idea that you know he's a, <laughs> to me an elbow is one of these things that, especially if it's deliberate, which in that case it was, because you know he's not. Um, it, it's not just be a case he's, he's, his arms came up and hit somebody, or he's been jumping. It's just he swung an elbow. There is no no grounds for it to be a yellow. The referee either didn't see it, in which case he can't give it. Or it's a red card. You know, there's not that middle ground there. But but he gets away with it and gets a yellow, which apparently, you know, um, Carol Lewis, McHugh, whatever his name is, he gets upset about. But you're right, for them to be on a yellow and half somebody as they're running into the box, you've got to, you've got to walk. Yeah, there's, a, there's an element there where you think, I mean, it's, again, uh, another cliche, but it's, uh, well... You know, you'd think that the yellow that he was going to receive would actually temper his game a little bit, and he's on that. You know, he's on that tightrope. He, he he's went into that. If I had to, if I had to, probably put a little bit of you know unbiased viewpoint on it, I don't necessarily think it's got malice in it. I think it's just stupidity. I think he's it's just part of his game, which he's taken real you know no direction to be able to try and improve or work on. Um, I think if you are going to have a, a forward defending corners or defending any set pieces that are coming into your box and he flings around elbows, you're going to concede a lot of penalties. So you either take him out of there or you make him better at it. And as I say, it worked for us. And, and I think probably there's no game plan that can really you know work itself around stupidity when people are going to make stupid decisions. Um, and it worked for us. And as I say, it's, it's, it's justification. David, we'll, we'll we'll go through this season and we'll have many a podcast and many a chat and everyone else as well where we will see a penalty get given against us which um, was not a penalty. We'll get penalties that were not penalties for us. It's just, it's the course of the, the season, Jim. I mean, it's why, it's why it's the game that we love because we get to talk about decisions like this. Yeah, but we're, so, we're the only support that seems to grasp that. Uh, possibly. I think that there's maybe certain supporters that are worse than others let's let's be diplomatic mm. I think that because again though it, it shows you what I'll blow our own trumpet here as you may have heard uh, last week uh, Heart and Hand were launching a, a kind of new semi-regular Friday show called Heart and Hand Extra yep you're right we were up all night coming up with that name but uh, in it I interviewed Kevin Thompson and I I don't know if you know this Cammy. But it actually broke records uh, in terms of downloads for podcasts in Scotland. And I don't mean Rangers and I don't mean sport. I mean, it's the most 
downloaded podcast in Scotland ever. And and, and you know it's and and you know what and, and and I said this to you. I've said it to you publicly. I've said it to you privately. I'm extraordinarily proud of how well you've done with that. But what I can imagine is the legions of potential children that you've lost touching yourself as soon as that was announced. Yeah, uh, you know, I, well, it's a tough one because I really do have to split the credit here. You know, if anything good happens on this show, uh, it's, fuck you, all, you're 100%. Yeah, fuck all we do with you, Muppets. But in this one, I'll need to say it to Kevin, if you haven't checked it out, and I don't think there's anyone listening who hasn't, you absolutely should. It's a fabulous fabulous insight into it and again that's not from me it was from from the stuff that kevin was telling us it's it's a, a wonderful a wonderful thing but give, it, give yourself give yourself one percent credit right I'll, t- I'll take that i'll take that because there's a lot of credit with this one to to go about but you know it, it, one of the things that kevin mentioned on this was that we're everybody's cup final and because of that sense goes out the window a little bit and in the case of malt um He's having a stinker. I think he's heard of interest because it's been rumoured from Rangers and he knows he's having an absolute mare. I think he gets frustrated. But from their fans' point of view, and you now see also from the media's point of view, they disregard the fact that he should have been sent off. And instead all you hear is, ah, oh, Rangers uh, got a dodgy penalty. And that that's the narrative that they try to create. And then the media wonder why shows like this are more successful and are growing week in, week out, and they're not. And that's why it is. It's because they do not understand in the slightest what the average football fan wants. We don't want this soap opera bullshit. That was the reason I'd said for years I wouldn't do interviews in this show, and that was one of the reasons I decided to do this, is because I thought, no, I'm going to ask questions that... I want to know the answer to. I don't want to know who was longest in the shower, you know. I want to know what it was like playing for Walter. I want to know what it's like at Ibrox when you know you're not playing well and the fans are getting on your back, you know, that kind of thing. The media in this country are just locked in this endless repeating loop and occasionally new data gets fed into the machine so it's like we're anti-Rangers. So everything in the loop is anti-Rangers. And then they wonder why people are just going, oh, fuck, not interested. And it's it's things like that. Because coming away from what was a terrific game of football, they couldn't just go, this was a terrific game of football. What angle can we take? Well, Graham Dorans, he's you know a lifetime supporter of the club. He's, he's got his first goal. Rangers are playing a new system. Motherwell played really well, actually. They were trying something different. They've had a good start to the season. Well, we look at what they're doing tactically different from last year. There was none of that. Instead, it's... The Masonic Hun bastard ref gave a penalty and we were pure cheated. And it's so frustrating and pointless and reductive and archaic. And that's why old media is dying. What you've got to remember though, David, and, and, and again, let's, let's use the fact that we can be unbiased. And it's also why, as you know as well as I do, there are plenty of non-Ranger supporters who listen to this podcast. And I'd like to believe it's because Actually, we can be, uh, you know, that that uh, that impartiality does come through at times. What you saw on Sunday was actually for me, and what should have happened, and what you should have been able to probably read and hear and feel and see was a really positive reaction about Scottish football from a televised game that because the big boys haven't kicked off yet down south, 
people might have just tuned into sort of Scottish football shit, but let's you know there's nothing better on. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, and actually, what people what what, pe- what people should have done is been able to see that and actually see two competitive teams going for it. Some pretty good football in, in stages. Let's not kid ourselves. All right, it wasn't the classical, but in actual fact, be able to then say, well, you know, both these players are going for it. There's been three goals. There's been a penalty. There's, you know, there should have been a red card. There's controversy. There's been the post has been hit. The bar's been hit. And in actual fact, you don't see any of that. It's it's and it's very sad because, do you know what? I feel like now, and I don't know. I don't know about you. I feel a little bit now like all I do is expect that. I don't expect to see the positive side of things because Rangers win. Don't get me wrong. If Motherwell had 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 got a victory, you know, it probably would have got a, a far better spin. But because Rangers got it, then in actual fact, I feel as if well, you can't talk about it too much because they get the three points and it puts a, a, a shining light on them. And I, that for me, I, no, that, I, that I don't, I don't think the game that. would have been spoken about at all. Regardless, I don't think they know how to do it anymore. Yeah, do you know what? I, I think that in certain circles, yeah, that's probably true. And I, and just, I, I, think I, I don't think they have the ability. It's, it's difficult. It's difficult to be able to try and do that. Um, and I think we've done it a lot in this pod, actually, where we've talked about that. But we've talked about it because we're not crazy, mental, blue nosies that no, no, you know, other way of being able to do things. See, when it's shit, we'll call it shit. And when it's worse than that, we'll call it worse than that. But in actual fact, we can come on here and say, actually, do you know, we deserve to win that game. Mother will probably deserve to get something for it, but we fought harder than they did. So therefore, we take, we take the three points. Yeah. And actually, what you'd like to have seen is probably a, a positive response from some of the Scottish media to say, do you know what, the two of them went for it. Opening game of the season, as I say, it's all very early days, everyone's fighting the feet, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All goes well for both. Teams, these two teams went for it. Yeah. And and that's all that matters. And actually, it's a good advert for Scottish football. No one will see that. No, you're, you're absolutely correct. Now, um, just before we move on, I'd like to say, you know, to the Motherwell casuals, you know, the ones that stand in that far corner from where the TV is, um, and people were giving them giving them abuse on social media, but listen, be fair. They were probably worried about their exam results. Well, I'm I'm just confused as to why they weren't around at the Aquatech because that's probably where they should have been on a Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. But um, no, listen, fair play to the boys. They made a lot of good noise. Um, it, it's it's good that they maintain that energy. You know, when the schools aren't in. Um, and yeah, no, good, good on them. As I say, hope they all did well uh, in failing all of the exam results because they haven't been at school in about eighteen months. Um, but you know, there's always uh, there's always third year that you can go into and yeah, just you know sign right. aim, for, aim for the best. You know, that's it. You know, best best of luck with that. So, um, other things that happened this weekend. It was a, a, a weekend of uh, departures and news to from old faces. In fact, um, so first up, Martin Waghorn uh, has gone for a million quid. Apparently, <laughs> I know, right, right. A million quid to Ipswich, and <laughs> very little that makes me speechless. But listen, I we've criticised Waghorn, but I, I like the guy. I think he was a very likable. He, he, he had a, a very nice statement when he was leaving. He always tried his best. I'm not doing this to ridicule him. I just genuinely think it's a strange world that Barry Mackay went for half a million with a year left in his deal and Martin Waghorn with the same goes for a million. I just I find that bizarre. Uh and maybe it's just England, maybe it's just crazy, you know, money. I I do wonder if there was more to the Mackay Forest deal than meets the eye. Um 
some people are suggesting, and I don't have any inside knowledge of this, that perhaps that deal was eased by maybe an agreement that any legal moves by the forest management team with regard to the departure from Rangers would cease, shall we say. Um, I don't know that, but half a million does look a bit a bit peculiar. But Martin Waghorn, first of all, Cammy signed for two hundred grand, scored plenty of goals. I mean, mainly in the 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 first division, but uh, did, you know did get a few last season as well. Leaves us for a million quid. I mean, overall, Martin Waghorn's got every right to turn around to people and say, "I was a, a successful signing for you." Yeah, he has, and and I think you know what I think that the the, the problem came when I don't know if it's because he stepped up a division and that that proved more difficult. What I do think is that people sussed out the Warburton way of playing and that started to condense his, his, his chances and his opportunities. Um, I think that he... so, And I know I could have made a couple of jokes about it beforehand, but let me just put it out there as well. I totally agree with you with regards his, uh, his, 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 his return and I think that his attitude and his, his um, behaviour towards Rangers was pretty typical. I think you couldn't really say that about Barry McKay, if we're being perfectly honest, in terms of some of the statements he's made since he's left. Um, but I think that a lot of fans got... I think a lot of fans got frustrated for Martin Waghorn. I don't think they felt frustrated by him, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, because I, I, I think, understand. I think, I, think he, I think you could see when he was doing it and he wasn't having the greatest of games, and sadly, you know, probably more laterally, especially within the last eight months or so, you, you started to see that coming out of him. But it wasn't from a lack of desire. And it wasn't from a lack of will to win. Or effort, I yeah. Think. Yeah, yeah. And, and he did try and put it in and stuff. I mean, listen, David, you and I are the first ones to turn in and say, I, you know, Scottish players unfit or whatever else as well. Actually, you could see Waghorn put the effort in physically. You could see that he put it in from a from a from an athletic perspective. I've been critical of Canchard on here for how I feel his conditioning goes and how he looks after his body, etc. as well. And, uh, you know, time will tell on that one. Waghorn, um, you couldn't really fault for the fact that you know he did try and keep himself in shape he did try to put that effort in in the gym and, and off the park it just never fell for him Davey especially within the last six months no. um, you know or the season last year that it just felt as if it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna work out for him and do you know what listen like a Halloran at the weekend and probably like Joey Garner his first game for his new club about he scores yeah well that was uh, again beautifully linked Cammy the next part um, some knicker wetting went on goals from uh, Joe Garner Barry Mackay and Michael O'Halloran on their debut uh, sensational goals in fact in the case of Mackay and O'Halloran but <sighs> look playing for Rangers is different and again if you don't believe me go and listen to the Kevin Thompson interview and he'll tell you the exact same it's not it, and it doesn't always matter about level, incidentally. Joe Garner could score a lot of goals for Ipswich, just could Martin Wycombe. O'Halloran had done well at St Johnston before, and, and I think, again, will do well here. Mackay had... You know, I, I know they're still... I think he was undersold, but Barry Mackay wanted to leave. Barry Mackay was leaving one way or another. So, you know, people go, we'll regret selling him. But he didn't have a choice. You know what I mean? That's about like saying, uh, uh, we should never have gave up that house. But, well, yeah, you were evicted. You know what I mean? It's Sometimes things are taken out of your hands. And There's a, there's a part to it where I would ask those same people if they could go back in time with the sell Brian, uh, Brian Lauder. Or would they do it we didn't wait until the, the, he can do the pre-contract? Nah, they sold him. Because in actual fact, what you saw from him, and, and, and the best one in the world, I mean, fair enough, you can criticise Mackay in terms of 
he does have natural ability and he is a very good footballer when he wants to be and when he gets the opportunity and things you know, come right for him and stuff as well. He can definitely change games, listen, there's no two ways about that. I'm not convinced that he can do it in the Championship um, on a consistent basis. You're right, he scored an absolute world day on Saturday. Uh, I, I don't know how consistent that will be, but consistency was one of his biggest problems. Um, but I definitely feel that we undersold him. And I, my, my opinion on it, Davey, is when you look at uh, Waghorn, you look at Mackay, you look at the transfer fees, Mackay's biggest problem was because he was Scottish. Uh, that, that for me, is probably where I feel like I could be totally wrong and you're insinuating other things and I can understand why. Um, however, for me, I definitely feel there's a gap there and that gap was, well, he's Scottish and will take a punt. He, Warburton knew he wanted to leave, obviously. Yeah. Um, so why not just give him a chance? Coutinho was never going to convince him to, to change his mind. Uh, a contract wasn't going to do that either. And I, I hate it. I mean, I hate the way how players negotiate contracts. I hate the way how it works out. But fundamentally... If a player does not want to play for you, you will not change his mind and you will not put him in the bench. Inevitably, a sale occurs and at the end of the day, you're just as better off just kowtowing to what the player is looking to be able to get because 99 times out of 100, they always win in some capacity. Yeah, I mean, you'd, I agree. You know, that was that was the situation. And as I say, Garner and, and Michael Allen, and I wish the, the very best because they just weren't the types to play for a club like Rangers and that's that's just a fact some people aren't a lot of people aren't in fact more aren't than are so in this instance I just think it's one of these situations where they're all better off you know better off without each other and I wish them all the best of luck players possibly coming in though um it looks as though this week Rangers are going to step up approaches for the long-running Jamie Walker saga but also interestingly Kenny McLean from Aberdeen off the top of my head, Cammy, I must say that central midfield doesn't look absolutely the place I'd be looking to strengthen in the case of McLean. Good player that he is, and he is, um, and you can always do with good players, but it maybe wouldn't have been the area I would first have thought uh, was the most pressing. No, it's not, Dave, I totally agree. I don't, I don't, I don't know why we're doing it. I, I, don't, I, mean, I'm... I mean, he is a talent. No, I mean, he is, but we've got sufficient cover as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, there's no significant gaps in that part of the park. So, no, it's, it's, uh, the, for me, a striker, if not two, is a priority. And that's what I'd like to see him focus on. I, I don't know, <laughs> theoretically, you could say for fullbacks, are we very comfortable there? I don't necessarily no, think so. No, we're not. We're but not. actually, strikers, strikers are where my priority would be at the moment. I would like us to strengthen at fullback, both sides, and I think that God love Lee Hodson. Uh, Lee Hodson for me has fallen into the sort of Ian Murray, Ricky Foster thing of we well, can play in multiple positions, yeah, badly. Um, I don't think that we can ever take the ability to play in several places ahead of ability, and I think Hodson should be moved on, and I think we need, I think Wallace needs challenged at worst. Um, there's an argument and people are making it that uh, he should be you know maybe replaced I, I'm not saying replaced but certainly challenged and uh, we, we definitely need need play. there are positions we don't need cover I would say fullback is one of them and I would say up front is one of them we don't need cover we need options and there is a difference, and I think those are the two areas for me, and clearly for you, that we should be looking to strengthen before central midfield. And like I say, if we get Kenny McLean, I'll be happy to have him. He's a good player. I just don't necessarily see that as being priority area for us. Well, I don't, but then I think, um, and, and again, 
going back to what we've kind of discussed previously, where you have to give the board a lot of credit and uh, a lot of uh, uh, appreciation is the fact that they have given uh, Kachinia money to be able to try and spend it. It's not as if, as we have seen uh, in more recent history, we have a, we have tried to, to get players and been unsuccessful in signing them. I don't know, and certainly, I mean, you know, from from correct me if I'm totally wrong with this, but I do not think we have went over to to receive a plethora of players who have been unsuccessful in signing. I actually think that we have achieved the majority of the targets that we set out to get. Normally, when you see some some talk like this, it's actually because potentially there may be other players who are in the mix, and you're kind of having a little bit of a scatterdash approach to say, well, actually, there's quite a few, and if we get him then you know, we'll have achieved what we're saying to do. We don't need to do that in centre mid. Um, I, I, I mean, it's, it's 6 to 5 in Pickham whether or not we get uh, Jamie Walker. Um, I also don't know if it answers the question of, you know, will he satisfy what we're looking to try and get out of him. Um, the Wallace one's difficult because of his injury. And I, actually, I think you, you made, you know, some, some great points about the fact that Alves is, is, is organising that defence. I don't know how Lee Wallace takes that. I don't know if he's intimidated by him. Does he feel inspired by him? What happens with that? But, you know, if you're if you're in that defence, Alves will sort you out if, if you're you know, if you're stepping out of line. Um I think sometimes that's been a big part of Wallace's game that's 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 really let him down at times as a captain. Um so when you drop him, you're dropping the captain. So who gets that in his place? And that's probably a, a you know, a further topic for, for discussion later that's um, a British but, thing isn't it the captain's undroppable in Europe they don't give a toss you know being the captain doesn't buy you any special favours no it doesn't and, and what's interesting is 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 obviously having a non-British manager um, this t- listen I suppose we could go back to this, this time when Ferguson should have been dropped when he was captain in mm-hmm. terms of how he was playing Yeah, but he was never going to get dropped because he was captain um, well look how then, long it took Man United to get, to get rid of Rooney really I mean Three yeah. managers had a go at it. Yeah, and actually, I mean, I mean, it's uh, academic now because obviously where he is. But when Rooney was leaving Everton, Rooney was offered the captaincy as an incentive to stay. That's how much importance uh, you know British managers place on it. Um, but then I think when you're then talking about where Wallace is, you're right. He does need challenge. I, I don't think Wallace is necessarily. I don't think he's become lackadaisical. I don't know if that's something you would attach to him. But what I do feel is. There's certain times where I think he could do more. Um, and whether he's, he's 100 recovered from injury or not, I don't know. Um, time's going to tell on that when the season obviously progresses. Uh, I, I just think we need another striker. I think we've already covered that actually there's some there's some um, definite challenges in there in terms of where we want to get comfortable with a, either a striker or a striking partnership. Now, we would be remiss, Cameron, if we were to leave the, the fans this week because it's been quite upbeat and... Uh, Although we have games to play, so that's that's always something. Now the reason we won't talk about the games is uh, we'll talk about the Dunfermline game on the second pod this week and preview the Hibs game then. So that's kind of what that that pod's for. But we would be remiss if we didn't warn the fans, Cameron, of an impending storm that's that's coming our way. You see, folks, fresh off titty striping, it appears that. Titty striping isn't going as well as perhaps the people who are angry about it would like. But luckily, 
it has turned out that evidence has been discovered by Celtic fans, funnily enough, that Rangers fixed a match and, in fact, Dunfermline were paid to lie down to us in the 2003 title decider. Now, so far the evidence to this is unpublished and doesn't exist. However, fair play to them at a time when there are lots of gullible idiots who want to give money to stick it to the Huns campaigns to come up with one when they know that the other one is deader than a dodo. I think the point you're missing here, David, is just because you make something up and it's completely imaginative does not mean that it's not 100% accurate and does exist. And I think that what you've got there is a very loose, loose uh, understanding of what is true and what is fair. And I think fundamentally justice will out in terms of um, just the rampant, constant cheating by Rangers. Uh, you know, we want the titles uh, striped off. Get those uh, get those titties off the record. Mm-hmm. Um, Dunfermline, you know, were paid to lie down to us. Um, and that's why, you know, they managed to fix it so they would be the last fixture so to make sure that we obviously had that money in the bank so we could give it to them. And um, it didn't come out till now. No, it didn't because ultimately, you know, Rangers have had a really easy period of it in the last, you know, uh, five years or so. Yeah, they've they've really been at the absolute pinnacle of Scottish football, and it's it's difficult to knock them when they're off the pedestal. So, in actual fact, what's easier is to kick them, you know, when they're down, when they've got no good news stories. Yeah, Cammy, you um, couldn't. Cammy, it's just easier. To be fair, Cammy, you couldn't get secrets out of Ibrox these last five years. Been like Fort Knox in there. You know, well, who's seen a story about Rangers that's been leaked from info... Oh, hang on. Yeah, the, the player moratorium, ex-player moratorium, I mean, of talking to the press, uh, has been watertight, David. Mm. Watertight. And um, and I think that ultimately uh, we're just going to have to accept whatever, whatever punishment the SFA uh, feel fit to give us. But you have to remember, we have people everywhere. That's true, you know, the Masons. Yes, and as a result of that, whether it's a Dunfermline uh, payment and bribery for winning the league, whether it's a Lee Hodgson penalty, very, very straightforward. You know, we will not be blamed for these things. We will not be made guilty. No. Um, And uh, again, we've seen time and time again, the SFA have went out of their way to favourably support us. Of course. They have changed fixtures. They have um, been able to uh, give us... Uh, better recovery time if we've had a, a strenuous fixture schedule across the uh, domestic campaigns and also in Europe mm-hmm. and that has happened time and time again Absolutely. So the, the thing about it is Cammy, right? that this to me just fundamentally sums up the mentality of the nuttier wing of the Celtic support and it's this Celtic go away and win 4-0 at Kilmarnock, the biggest away win of the season well, that was just a great performance. We just did our best and they couldn't live with us. Rangers win 6-1 at home against a team they always beat. They cheated! They lay down! No, we didn't, eh? Fuck up and fuck off. 
And I think what, that... What, what you have to all. remember, though, in that 6-1 game, though, David, and what you, what you need to absolutely remember, the focus point here was, that we absolutely did not tell De Boer about the bribery. Because if you remember back to that, um, when um, Arteta was about to take it, the board couldn't even look at it. And we obviously didn't tell him that it was you know, going to be a, it's, a 100% certainty that Arteta would have scored it. So you've got to remember not everyone was in, in the conspiracy. Alan Thompson was. Yes, he was. Yes, yes, he was. You know, other, and, uh, otherwise you know, he would think, have, wouldn't he have put the penalty halfway up the A77? Yes, yes. He uh, he did us a lot of favours there. And the problem that we also had as well was the failed backs payment that we, <laughs> we put to, to Chris Sutton, which obviously made him rage know, come out with and give come up. out with a couple of comments, which I'm sure that once the check had cleared, he you know he regretted. He and, regretted yeah. uh, you know after the fact. Yeah. Well, maybe that's why he's so bitter. Maybe that was the check that um, would have prevented him sliding into bankruptcy, and it's, it's all down to us. Yeah, it's probably yeah. under a sofa somewhere yeah. on a skip, yeah. you know, after all his house got evicted. Yeah, could have been that. Okay then, folks. Well, all that remains for me to do then is to thank your executive producers in London, Mr. Knightley and Mr. Paul Myers, to tell you where you can get all this exciting new Heartland content. Um, as I say, if you haven't checked out the Kevin Thompson interview, please do. It's in all the usual places. Uh, it's fantastic. It really is. A, a just He was so insightful, a very articulate, very interesting guy, very engaging. And the Robbie Keane story is, is worth it for worth an hour of your time alone. And uh, we'll be back on Friday of this week. Uh, we'll certainly will be recording on Friday, but as you know, sometimes there's a delay in getting them out. The plan is to have it out on Friday. I'm assured that it will be. And uh, then if I can just thank my guest this week, Mr Cameron James Bell. David, it's a pleasure as always. Thank you all for listening. My name's David Edgar and I'll talk to you again this time next week. Cheers. Bye. Heart and Hand is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Sports Social Podcast Network.